Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks. <laughs> Let's start. Okay, let's mark it right now. This is our time. This is our place. This is Folklore on the Rocks. All right. Welcome to Folklore on the Rocks and our spooktacular special. Woo, spooky. Yeah, it's a kind of a fun, different thing. But given that we're a show about monsters and, and that's kind of a theme that we go with, I kind of figured that Halloween is really the time that I, I know I'm feeling it the most. Mm-hmm. Where, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. We, we really wanted to do something kind of extra special for Halloween. Um, mostly just because it's the best time of the year. Oh, hands yeah. Down. And so what I did is I kind of asked around for some ghost stories or some like creature encounters, um, just general spooky and true stories. And we got some doozies, I think. Uh, we pursued these kinds of experiences because this is how folklore begins. Real things happening to real people. Yeah, and and also just remembering all of the details enough to stack them into a story. Mm-hmm. To, to think, yeah. you know, in hindsight, that was a little bit weird. Yeah, it's, thing, it's things that can't be explained. Things that kind of freak us out and they they'll strengthen our belief in the unknown they're like things that become building blocks for folklore and they kind of settle into us as part of our own reality yeah yeah it's more than just thought it's also belief and whether that's from a a religious or a supernatural place uh, Mm -hmm. there is part of our brains that only needs so much evidence exactly yeah so these this is how folklore starts and that's why we kind of wanted to Get to the core of that. Absolutely. Um, plus do something a little different than we normally do and do something a little spooky. So in light of that, we actually have a special guest. Oh, I'm so for this excited. Episode. Our friend Danny. <laughs> he's had some pretty freaky experiences himself. So he's going to share some of those. And I think that he's going to have some really good insights for our other stories as well. Yeah, Danny, welcome to the show. Um, Thank you. Yeah, Thank Danny, you, you and I, we've we've shared some wild times over the years. Um, Absolutely. And uh, I, I do know that you kind of like to walk in this world a little bit with, of ghosts and goblins and spooks and specters. Well, it's so fascinating. Yeah. It's interesting. You really? Know? So start off, uh, who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Who am I? I am a human <laughs> being on planet Earth. Good start. Good start, my friend. You are correct, sir. I am correct, I think. What do you Shoot. do? Who are you? What? What? Who am I? I guess what we do is who we are. Uh, well, sometimes. Sometimes it's true. If we're, uh, if we're pursuing our dreams. Uh, I suppose, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so I, uh, what I do for work, I am a actor, filmmaker, um, and uh, I like to, on my spare time, uh, study things about space. And how it works. Yeah, Danny, uh, I'll tell you, uh, calling you an actor and filmmaker, that's like calling me a computer guy. Yeah, we all do so many more things than what (laughs) we have. You're absolutely correct. And I I like to dabble in the supernatural. Cool. Um, It's interesting. I like Mm -hmm. to keep an open mind about things, uh, which hasn't always been the case. Ghosts and specters and goblins in the forest and things like that intrigue me mm-hmm. cool so well what would you say uh kind of opened the door for you into 
the supernatural being maybe more than just stories. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's that's where I'm coming from as well. Um, no, I. <laughs> no wonder we're friends. I I'm not <laughs> sure where it originated. I don't know if it was is from you know scary movies as a kid. Uh, or just scary stories, uh, folklore, myth, religion, uh, you know, all of those things that have those scary stories attached to them that make us afraid of uh, things in the dark. And where, did, where does that come from? Uh, we think genetically it comes from, you know, big things in the forest that would eat us and stuff at night. And uh, during the day was when we was we were safest. Um, and it's still kind of the case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure, as is the way of things, we'll find out more and more about you as you tell us your tales. But also, there's one other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, we've kind of decided to, uh, to crack down on our on the rocks element. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll be making uh, and releasing recipes for a new theme drink for each episode. Uh, isn't that right, Lens? We are going to, yeah. We actually have... A good friend of ours who is basically a genius when it comes to mixology. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll sign I think off we'll call on him Anubis. Ooh, I like. And he's going to help us come up with these every week. So um, they're going to be basically amazing. Yeah. And yeah. what we'll do is we'll post the recipes on our social media and in our show notes. So if you want to make it too while you're listening to the show, awesome. Uh, the one we have today is delicious. Oh, I am a fan. Yes. Very nice. Um, it is our very first cocktail. We're calling it the Grave Robber. Very thematic. Which I, my grave has been robbed. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We'll at, get you a new our, one. <laughs> at our next break, we'll freshen that up for you. Yes. Um, so basically, it features a local light whiskey called Robber's Roost. Um, and it's from our friends, Alan and Julia, the Water Pocket Distillery here in Utah. They have some stellar offerings. A good chunk of what they make are spirits that almost got lost to history. They're kind of rare and unique offerings. Okay. They're absolutely delicious. Yeah. Um, my fave of theirs is Oread. Oh, yeah. So good. And that's named Oread. after... Um, is that the, a whiskey? No, it's a, it's a liqueur. And it's, it's named after the mountain spirits in Greek mythology, the Oread. Okay. Kind of like the Dryads are trees, uh-huh. the Oreads are mountains. And we're, we'll link to their site and everything in our show notes. Um, but if you are local or you end up coming to Utah, I highly recommend doing a tour of their facility and a tasting because it's just so good. Where is the facility? Um, It's in West Valley, Utah. In so West if you Valley, come to Utah. Salt Lake, it's pretty easy to get to. I don't so, suppose their distillery is haunted. That would just be a really nice Maybe. I don't know. I haven't asked. Trip. Uh, <laughs> That'd be pretty great. Yeah, it would. Um, so in addition to our whiskey, our Robber's Roost whiskey, and that's part of what this is named for, the Grave Robber, Robber's Roost, um, we have some Strongbow hard cider. We have some ginger beer. And then we have a splash of triple sec. So those are all on the rocks, of course, and then we just garnished with a little bit of orange rind. So um, we so will post pictures, we'll post the recipe, give it a try. It's delicious. Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. Um, on to the stories. This story is from Kate, and it goes like this. I went to a college in a small town in eastern Kentucky on the border of West Virginia. The school had less than 10,000 students, and Main Street ran through the campus teeny tiny place out in a rural area. 
So as you can imagine, there just isn't too much to do out here. One of the main pastimes is hiking. The school is in the middle of a national forest and on the edge of a state park and Red River Gorge, which is world-renowned for hiking and climbing. And one of the places everyone hikes is called Lockagee Rock. Now, Lockagee is one of those places that everyone just knows about. You find out because when you were a freshman, somebody took you up. It's not marked. You just take a road to another road, to a back road, to a gravel road, and you just kind of have to know where the trail is. Have you ever been out there? Uh, I have not been to Kentucky. I've been to West Virginia, just right in that kind of close. right in that pocket I of Kentucky. Not. Well, that's that's mm-hmm. where this was, West Virginia. Yeah, see on the border of West Virginia. Oh, okay. so, yeah, they were I've in got Kentucky, a good friend but, from West Virginia. Um, but like, it's just these beautiful rolling hills. It's so pretty, mm-hmm. but it's kind of eerie, especially yeah. in the evening, early mornings, at night, uh, because the forests they get really quiet. Yeah, and really still, Oof. and the fog rolls in, and it's just thick and misty. There's some crazy history. There's a lot of energy yeah. in that in that pocket mm-hmm. in that area. Cool. Okay, let's keep going. Uh, so this story takes place when I was a sophomore. We had hiked Lockagee and had been up there for a bit, and we were starting to make our way back down. We had two flashlights, and I was there with three other girls who were not experienced hikers. It was very dark, and it was a full moon. Going up was no sweat. It was a nice night, and the rock was crowded. Going down, the climbing pass was a little more challenging than going up, especially in the dark, and one of my friends sort of held up the line of people because she was going so slowly. When she was down, I turned to the last guy in line and asked if he needed me to hold the flashlight. He said no, he had his cell phone, and the moon was so full, so light was good. I should mention, like, when I say cell phone, we did this shit with light from our flip phones half the time. I remember those. That, that, <laughs> remember that, those days. That kind of bluish glow. Yeah. Yeah, and it went about that you can barely three see three and a half feet if you were if you if you were <laughs> if lucky. You're lucky. If you were lucky. Full can't battery. Leave. I, I got I gotta find my keys. <laughs> yeah. Good times. So we went a little down the trail, and he blows past us. No big deal. My friends were moving slowly. I saw him walk ahead of us, and I'll never forget. He was blonde, wearing a white shirt, khakis, and white Adidas. So we're going down the trail, and I'm trying to keep the group together, but we keep hearing growls off the trail to our sides, and we're panicking a little. I'm moving faster than they are and ended up separated on my own. I round a bend, and he's there. It's a part of the trail where the trees open up and you climb down a little rock outcropping. You can honestly jump. It's like 10 inches. And then it levels out. In the moonlight, it was lit up more than my flashlight could ever do. He was just standing at the top of the rocks, staring down the trail like he was waiting for me. My flashlight hit his eyes, and they reflected back like a cat. I'm by myself, and I don't know how far ahead I got. I could have sworn the others were right behind me, but I couldn't hear them. He stares at me and says, I don't know where to go. I need your light. I kind of gaped at him and said, you go down. He kind of took a step towards me, and at that moment, my friends finally caught up. He turned away and continues down the trail. At this point, what he was wearing in the, and the moonlight is important. It's a bright full moon, and he's wearing white. He should be visible. At this point on the trail, there is no hill and no turns, but he was gone. I'm panicked, and we are practically running down the trail. We are so terrified he stepped off and was waiting for us to go past. We never saw him. 
When we got to the end of the trail, we heard a car door slam and saw him driving in a red 90s sports car. We were relieved. We get to my car and start driving back, shaken. As we are sneaking down the road, we pass him, and after we pass him, he pulls up behind us. So now he's following us, and I'm driving too fast, skidding a bit on the gravel and turns, constantly looking back because he's riding my bumper, and then he was gone. Just nothing behind us that that I'm aware of. There's not a turnoff. The left side of the road went up a steep ridge, and the right side went down a steep ridge. So we have no idea what happened. The rock is supposedly haunted with people describing trees vanishing and appearing, satanic symbols that return no matter how often they're sandblasted off. And I've also experienced the smell of vomit or roses in my car when I get back in. Other people have told me they heard voices in the woods. I don't know what it is that we saw, but I don't think I'll ever forget the way his eyes reflected back at me. Shit. Yeah, very creepy. Guys, humans don't have eye shine. Period. Like, our eyes absorb light. They don't reflect yeah, it. Yeah, our, our rods and cones don't work that way. So, if his eyes shone like a cat's eyes do, he wasn't human. Reminds me of a story I heard from southern Utah. Yeah? Even the way the hills are described and the way he was standing on top of them looking at them. Uh, Feel similar? Shadowed and that it was a bright night, but it was still really dark. Mm-hmm. And then nobody could see things. And people were getting confused and lost, even though they hadn't gone that far from the car. Throughout history, there's all kinds of uh, different reports of, of strange things happening with the full moon, uh, all, all of the werewolf stories, mm-hmm. and then everything else as well. The moon just makes everything a little bit eerier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and oh, I but love full moon. You mm-hmm. also see I a huge too. spike in insurance claims and ER visits. and Yeah, it's In the full moons, weird. really? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's something we all know is coming, and I think it goes way, way back to our very core as, as Neanderthal kind of species, when it's a, you can suddenly see a little bit more into the darkness, and it's not always what you want to see, it's not always what you expect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's something a lot scarier. You can, you can pick up movements better, because you can see better, but you don't know what those movies right there are a lot are. more shadows yes. on a full moon yeah uh than very freaky Wait, what do you guys think about night. this whole eye shine thing i think that that's, I think that's fucking terrifying it, that, uh that's slightly disturbing well, yeah it, it points it, many of these things um now was he wearing sun his sunglasses at night i don't think so but she did mention um when i talked to her about the story that she thinks that it was a skinwalker well, yeah, that that's the first thing that came to yeah, my head. Absolutely, and that's it what feel, was in Southern Utah. Like a, other stories in Mexico and New Mexico, Arizona. It doesn't feel like a ghost per se, or no. But what kind of sticks out to me are things like the white Adidas, the white T-shirt, the uh, the red sports car. He has elements to him that are look at me, uh-huh. and it, it is it goes back to all those nature documentaries of the bright colors you see. That's nature's way of saying, don't touch. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. Yeah. It's true. So the, the, things, Poison you, dart frogs, the right? things you see are the things you shouldn't touch. Yes. Yeah. If you can see them, yeah. don't mess with them. Right. Creepy. Very creepy. I mean, how many, we're not nocturnal animals. No. As much okay. as we. And, and we haven't <laughs> been for as long as we know. Uh, 
and I, I'm convinced. There, yeah, I, I would say the majority of life on land are nocturnal animals. I would say they outnumber the daytime animals by far. I mean, just listen to the bugs at night. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, they're not the only things that are coming out at night. Yeah, very true. Yeah, very and, true. and in, the, in, the, in the hot part of the world, hot parts of the world, you want to travel by night. That's the only time you'll ever survive. The sun, right. well, we're learning more and more. The more time you spend in the sun, eh, it's not great for you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you don't have hair and other things in yeah. your skin. True. I mean, we, true. we've de-evolved in so many ways. <laughs> um. Well, cool. Well, uh, let's jump on to our next story. Okay. So this one is from my friend Julie, uh, Julie Barnson. She is actually a professional storyteller. And if you want to have her come and do a party or an event for you, her website is talesbyjulie.com. And this story that she that she's giving to us is a story from her time as a host with Story Tours, um, and their website is StoryTours.com. They do ghost tours of Salt Lake City and Ogden in Utah, and there's some pretty spooky local stuff here. I need to do that tour. I've heard yeah, about it definitely, and um, from pretty credible, I would say sources in <laughs> that field. Yes. Um, I say it's a pretty great tour. Yeah, J- Julie said um, she's had a great time as a host or a tour guide, I guess. Um, and the reason I know Julie actually is that she and I both have a short story in an anthology that was published. Um, it's a paranormal anthology, so all of our stories have some element of the paranormal, which is pretty fun. That's cool. So that's how I got to know her, and her, I heard this story from her well, and her lips. Ogden. Ogden is a creep. I've, oh, yeah. I've done some filming in Ogden. Downtown Salt Lake and Ogden are very creepy yeah, places. Well, Al Capone came <laughs> to Utah and Ogden was kind of the place. And he did not stay long because he's like, it's the Wild West there. It's yeah. crazy. Uh-uh. It's too nuts. Well, there's like a, and he went back. There's a bar on the Main Street in Ogden that's super haunted, right? Didn't you go there? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, The Wine Cellar. And then there's another one up above it. Uh, it's more of a restaurant than a bar, but it it's kind of a bar restaurant. I don't know. Uh, the wine cellar is is down in the basement. It's this old jazz bar. It's such a cool place. Um, but back in the back, there's like tunnels, and it's where a lot of uh, the like underground railroad oh, was, and gotcha. and there was prostitution and drugs down there just like it was bad people were murdered down there Um, some some shit went down some shit went down in those tunnels but uh it's a cool place and and the wine cellar is a cool bar like it's literally live jazz bands playing in utah i know and and so it kind of it's like okay the utah jazz have something to say see there is something here (laughs) we didn't just Buy you from New Orleans. Yeah, we didn't just buy you from New Orleans. <laughs> but I do think it's notable that um, really wherever there's history, there's also ghost stories. Absolutely. For us, this is very local. It's our own hometown, you know, Utah. But really, wherever people have been, there's usually kind of some spooky echo uh, mm-hmm. of some sort. So it makes me wonder if we leave something of ourselves behind. Yeah. You know? A- absolutely yeah and uh, yeah any human civilization anytime there's recorded history 
of ghost stories, mm-hmm. of Absolutely. folklore, of monsters. We wouldn't be doing this show without it. Well, I'm excited to see this one. Uh, this is a little taste of, of Utah folklore for you. Okay. Uh, so I guess I am reading Julie Julie's All right. story, correct? Sounds correct. good, Dan. Okay. I love ghost stories. I love to tell ghost stories. I love to listen to ghost stories. I love everything about the Halloween season and the beautiful ghostly trappings that go with it. But if you ask me if I believed in ghosts, I would hesitate for a moment and tell you that I tried not to think about it. I love a scary story, but I don't love the idea that any of it might be real. I firmly separate belief from entertainment and keep strict borders around the two areas in my head. Don't make me think about it too hard. Just let me enjoy the story. This I, I can I can relate to this, especially in my younger years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would guess my imagination would get me so scared, so easy. <laughs> um, but I was still so fascinated and so interested. Absolutely. Uh, when I got hired to be a tour guide for the Salt Lake City Ghost Tours, I first attended as a guest three times, actually. There was one story that was told about the Masonic Temple that was really interesting to me. The story was about a man named Charlie Valentine, who was a prominent Mason back when the temple was first built. He had done so much for the order that when he died, his wife sent ashes to urn to the temple saying, Since he spent so much time here when he was alive, you can have him now that he's dead. Over the years, the urn had been stashed in a storage closet somewhere and forgotten. Strange things began to happen. Doors would slam, lights flicker, furniture move, all of the traditional things that you would associate with a haunting. Finally, after decades of odd events, the urn was found when they were cleaning out the old storage closet. They asked if Charles Valentine had ever been formally interred, and there was no record of it. So they paid to bury the urn at a local cemetery, and all the paranormal activity stopped. Six months later, everything started up again, and it was assumed that the spirit of Charles Valentine had returned. As we sat in the bus in front of the Masonic Temple, our storyteller told us how Charlie Valentine liked the tour bus and would flicker the lights above the doors. There were three doors at the top of the Sphinx protected stairs, and sure enough, those lights flickered. It was enough to give you a shiver. It happened two out of three times that I attended the tour. I have to admit that I was a bit of a skeptic, however. Okay, so the lights flickered. There could have been a custodian or something watching for the tour bus and flickering the lights for show. When I got hired, I expected someone to pull me aside and say, okay, make sure when you tell the Masonic Temple story that you wait for the janitor to flick the lights. It freaked everyone out. They didn't. Still skeptical. Maybe they didn't want the new girl to know their secrets, right? Besides, I forgot to ask them about it. Either way, when I gave my first tour, there were no flickering lights at the Masonic Temple. (sighs) Well, it wasn't until later that night during the second tour of the evening that anything weird happened. Everything had gone as normal and we had made it to the Masonic Temple. The bus paused at the front of the building as I told the story. I mentioned the flickering lights and nothing flickered. I didn't have the secret touch. As the bus pulled away, however, I saw another door on the ground floor of the building. It was tucked away right next to the stairs. 
you could see emergency lights down the hallway as you looked in the glass door. There was a figure standing in the doorway. It looked flat, like someone had taken a piece of cardboard and cut it out of a person shaped. I half expected to see Aragorn or Dean Winchester printed on the cardboard cutout. There were no features, just an outline. The figure was dark around the outside, but it got lighter in the middle. I took one look at the figure before my brain screamed, Fake! No real ghosts! Fake! I wasn't even a good tour guide to say. And ladies and gentlemen, on your left, you can see the ghost of Charlie Valentine trying to appear in that doorway there. I said nothing, and the bus turned onto I Street, and I started the next story. Not long after that, the bus stopped at the Salt Lake City Cemetery, and guests were allowed to get off the bus and take pictures of the gravestones in the cemetery. And as we got off the bus, I was cornered by several guests. They said, what was that at the Masonic Temple? I hadn't expected that anyone else had seen it. I didn't know what to say. I told them that it had to be fake, right? I did not deal with what I had seen. I just went through the tour like good little tour guide and said goodnight to everyone at the end uh, and just like I was supposed to. My first night was done. On the way home, I tried to think of scenarios that might explain what I had seen. Ah, the custodian decided to uh, up his game. He could do better than light flickering. Maybe the other storytellers were playing tricks on me. They didn't really seem the type. Finally, I called one of the more seasoned tour guides. I asked her point blank, look, is there a secretary or janitor or somebody that flickers the lights at the Masonic Temple just to scare the guests? She was quiet and puzzled for a brief moment before she carefully said, no, Julie, we don't do that. I have no explanation for what I saw. I just know that other people witnessed it. I never wanted it. And I try not to think about it because if I do, I might have to admit that maybe I do believe in ghosts. Maybe I do. Yeah. That's pretty good. Well well done, Julie. That's a good one. Excellent That's pretty good. And I I know for a fact how freaked out she was because she related to the, the story to me in person. And it's, I mean, that's a scary thing to have happen. Just this figure that's like this flat nothingness standing in a doorway that you did not expect to be there. Yeah. Well, you're telling a ghost story about a ghost that's there at that building. And then you (laughs) see that ghost or, you know, at least something trying to imitate that ghost. the Masonic Temple downtown is pretty creepy. It's it's eerie. I've I've filmed twice there. Like, it's beautiful. It's it's a beautiful building, but but very creepy. At the same time, when when someone says, uh, something will be watching you, from here, um, usually, it, it, if we expect to see something, there's a pretty good chance we'll see something. Um, Our minds are open to it. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it, right. there's a there's a fine reason why every theater in America is always haunted. <laughs> it's because when you get out on stage, ghosts that want attention, obviously. Well, well yeah, but the, at the <laughs> same time, the entire room is built around a circular energy flow between audience and actor Mm -hmm. you remove one of those components and there's a vacuum and it feels like there's something pulling drawing you know leeching uh and it kind of for for you know us it feels like dread and this one it kind of feels kind of a a similar thing where if, if someone says oh there's a ghost in here and he's he likes this place he's watching for the tours 
the lights will flicker. Uh, expect and, and you'll find. But at the same time, do you think maybe that expectation is a broadcast, perhaps? If something's listening on how to communicate with these, you know, warm-blooded naked apes that wander through every once in a while, and all they're thinking is, oh, if I see a ghost, I'll believe. And that's how it appears. We don't really understand consciousness very well and the effects it has on the universe, on the actual existing universe. We could think of things and have it become reality just because we're thinking of it. We don't understand exactly what our ability to imagine actually does well, on the and universe. Well, we don't understand what reality actually is is either right everyone's reality is entirely different absolutely we perceive things differently than the person next to us everything that we see is colored by our own experiences and our own beliefs so and and we we don't know what actually exists anywhere yeah right and then on top of it to take uh, consciousness and and the power on that observation would have on the outcome of an experiment take all of that out of the out of it and you still have Somebody was alive, now they're not, and this was an important, an important place for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are some important folklore elements on how a body is supposed to be taken care of and, and, and supposed to be the, the interment thing. And Right. Death rituals are very different around the world, but also have a lot of very similar elements. Yeah. Yes. It's actually what, um, one of the main aspects I researched in anthropology. Was, was birth and death rituals. It's yeah. very fascinating. Yeah, I have a much different uh, outlook and perspective on consciousness. Go and on. Tell us, Danny. I, don't, I, I mean, we're not if really on that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're on a folklore, but it kind of, I, I guess, where does folklore come from? It comes from- Folklore a, involves a lot of death. Well, it it involves death. It it involves experience. Mm -hmm. So real life experience, something witnessed, something actually, someone went through something, whether it was in their own imagination, Mm -hmm. just in their head, or they really physically experienced something. Um, Or it was a module in the Matrix. Or it was a module of the Matrix. I'll give that like a 13% probability right now. I don't know. I'm thinking then like 73%. Whoa. That's really, if you split the difference, there leaves (laughs) about a 6% probability. (laughs) I don't know. That the reality is what That the reality that we are living in a Matrix. It's one of my favorite things to think about. Well, we really because are. I feel like it takes a little bit of the responsibility off how shitty everything in the world is. In, in a sense, we are living in a matrix, even to the degree of just in the natural habitation we grow up in. So our environment and our gene pool. So we have a certain gene pool of experience. The experiences of all of our fathers, grandparents, back to the beginning of a tadpole, wherever mm-hmm. we came from is in our genes. And there's actually evidence that memories can and memories move on move with through that. Exactly. Yeah. So we remember we don't know how and we're not completely conscious of it, but if you're we interested, look into past life aggression. Experience, yes, we remember aggression, we pain, joy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that kind of is our our physical and mental makeup, 
but then we are born into an environment and that environment shapes, yeah. shapes nature versus us as nurture. well nature say, i i wouldn't say i i did grow up and in college and everything it was nature versus nurture which one is it is it a mixture of the two and it's like no it's nature and yeah it nurture. has to be both it has to it is both yeah there are elements of both no matter what you do no matter which argument you well, try and I, to I choose. I think that you could take the aspect of, of nature and add to it that nature is also part of nurture because how your grandparents and your parents were raised is part of their genes. Like their how they grew up, their na- their nurture impacted their genetic makeup. So are some of these I th- I think demons, these ghosts, these shadows, these monsters, are they shadows of the past? Maybe. It's a great thing to think about. Yeah. And I mean, I but I hear you every step of the way, the same way that I love to read, you know, all the stories from around the world. But the ones that resonate the most with me, eh, it's the Viking stuff. Yeah. Right. Right. Your but when we see a ghost, <laughs> when we see a ghost, is it? Just a memory of the past. It's a it's that our genetic makeup is remembering. I think that it might be a little bit of both because I think that we might see things that no that other people don't see, and because of our predilection to potentially see that, we do. But then there's also the experiences that multiple people have of the same thing. So I or, think it's poss- it has to be a little bit of both. Or because time is not linear, that perhaps Very true. Time I, is uh, circular. Perhaps time a is wibbly part wobbly. of our gene from that time period of this existing element mm-hmm. they're able to match up because they were existing at the same time frame. Yeah. Well, what I what I've just kind of come to accept <laughs> is that as humans our powers of perception are pretty limited. Yes. I mean, even even on the natural scale of things. I mean, seabirds see in ultra, very... ultraviolet. Uh, shrimp see the in infrared. Shrimp can see what, like thirty-eight more colors than we can, or, mm-hmm. or thirty-eight and, times. And the yes, and their entire perception of the world is completely DNA different. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like nothing on planet Earth. It's so bizarre. Yeah, but but yeah, we are very limited in many of our senses. Yeah, so maybe what what are we not seeing? So much of right. what we what, what can we not see that our dogs and cats can see that's in the room with right. us? When your right? cat or your dog is staring up into a corner, growling or hissing, and you're like, trust your pets, what people. Are you doing? <laughs> trust your pets. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so let's let's ask a smaller question. Okay, earlier we talked about every theater in America is haunted. That without an audience in there, you walk out on stage and it feels like something is watching you. Have you ever had that as an actor? Have you ever had a, a theater ghost experience? Yes. Okay. Definitely. Uh, what you got? Um, but I loved what you said earlier about there being a void. Mm-hmm. And when that void is created, I think that's when it creates the vacuum in space and time. Well, and allows this manifestation of ghosts. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, when, wh- where um, there is nothing, so something will come theater, to fill it. Oh, and man, it, which one do I choose? Okay. Tell us a couple. Okay, here's a couple quick ones. So the first theater scary story is high school. 
so I, I I went to a really old high school. Mm -hmm. It was falling apart. There were cracks in it and everything. Every time there was a small quake, um, the cracks would grow. Uh, (laughs) And the building would sway. So when we have our giant quake, it had old bomb shelter. Yeah, it had old bomb shelter tunnels and and things like that. There were there were tunnels that were chained up, literally chained, like big steel doors. Because that's not chained across. And you'd hear things on the other side, like whisperings and voices and almost cries. And, you know, yeah, you'd hear the occasional rat and stuff too. But like, we were able to get into a couple of these and they dropped down and there were old desks, like old classrooms and things in it um, with like inches thick dust just sitting on them. Gross. Because they've just been sitting there <laughs> That's for scary. years and years and years and years without anything moving them or touching them. Just creepy. But anyway, the janitors would not work alone. They would not go into parts of the building alone because of experiences they all kept having um, of like actual sightings. There was a bus full of students hit that were on their way to school by a train. Oh my gosh. Uh, back in the 20s, maybe. A while exactly ago. When it was. A while ago. I wasn't oh, there. I'll believe you for now. Go on with your story. I wasn't alive. Um, but they would see people dressed like that. They would hear games going on in the gym and open the doors and no one was in there. And so they were like, nope, no shifts alone. And anyway, a new school was built halfway through my years. And... We were doing a show, Arsenic and Old Lace. Ooh, a winner. A winner. It was like my first play ever. It's such a good in, show. Uh, it wasn't my first play ever. but It's so dark. School. It was, it was if you've never seen it, was it like my third play. Go watch, go watch a movie of it or something. It's it's a dark show, but it's, it's fun. fun. Yeah, so it's, it's a great comedy if done. Right. Very morbid comedy. Yeah, it's very morbid comedy. Um, and uh, anyway, our wonderful teacher, director, was yelling. So it was like lights went out. We were doing the end of the show, rehearsing on the new stage, first show. And she's like, the lights went out. Everyone's backstage. She's like, get off the stage. Who's on this stage? She oh was yelling at, every, at us. And we're all back there in the dark going, what the crap? Who was on the stage? Who was up there? Because, And then she's like, lights up. Turn the house lights on. Turn the house lights on. So the house lights came on in the whole auditorium. And she was just like, she screamed. We all came out on stage. We're like, what? And she's like, everyone go home. And it's because she saw somebody on the stage with a candle walking down the stairs of the set. And she was yelling at him when the lights came up halfway down, when the light was halfway down the stairs. There was nobody there. Oh my God. Ooh. That's boom, terrifying. Boom, boom. Yes, yeah. That I love awesome. that. So I didn't actually experience that one. So maybe but we should cut that one. No, oh, you, that's fine. you were there enough. In college, uh, I went to Southern Utah University. Cool. In Cedar City, Utah. Uh, now, for those of us, uh, I, I've been down to Cedar City. Tell us a little bit about the scenery and, okay. and what is Cedar City like? Red Rocks. Okay. And, but it's just the beginning. It's just the start so, of the Red Rocks. So, so if, our, if our listeners St. saw George the movie the, the Martian, they would yeah. get the idea. Yeah. yeah. If you want to go to I Mars, think, um, go to Southern Utah. Yeah. What's that um, one with James Franco? 127 120 days? Something. 
Something like that. Days seems it, long. It, he's, Let's try it, hours. Twenty eight days later. Twenty nine <laughs> hours. Seems like hours. I don't fucking yeah, remember it was, it that one like, movie with James Franco. That, yeah. Anyway, where he gets stuck in a boulder. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like it's is is I think they filmed hours. there. Twenty seven right? hours. Didn't they film there? Partly. So I'm just saying. And in a studio. In Scenically, it would look something like that area. But okay. it's, it's whatever. It's, it's a beautiful place yeah, to go so to college. Filmed in southern Utah. Yeah. Uh, Many movies of... are filmed there on the salt flats. Like, there's a lot of stuff that's filmed in Utah. Mm-hmm. Yes. But you went to college where it was surrounded by Red Rock. It was yeah, a lot of rattlesnakes, uh, mountain lions, and very uh, very red dirt that gets everywhere. Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys. Yeah. If you, if you <laughs> liked Westworld, <laughs> you'd love Southern Utah and, University. Um, absolutely. A lot of old old history like native american history um there's a lot of reservations down there and um there's places where they they won't go even in the daytime um because they are sacred um because they say are dangerous Um, they know i mean (laughs) yeah uh, from different types of beings Mm -hmm. um different types of folklore um but they're ancient traditions yeah that have been passed down and passed down and passed down and uh, i have some friends who have had some experiences with not listening to them and uh <laughs> serves them right i think stories, maybe actually uh, we should have them on sometime because uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah i believe it. i've never experienced anything like like some of their stories i've heard well i hope it's because you were heeding the advice that you got yeah uh but anyway so Southern Utah University uh, theater. Um, there's a couple theaters. There's the old Shakespearean Festival uh, down there, um, which is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to Highly go experience that, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's the closest thing we've got. There's another good one, I think, up in, I don't know if it's Oregon or Washington State. Not sure. Uh, Excellent acting, though. That does a lot of good Shakespeare, too. Mm-hmm. A good Shakespearean Festival. But anyway, other than the ones in London... Uh, it's the closest thing we have. For sure. Uh, anyway, so there's a couple theaters. <laughs> there's like the school theater, then there's the one across the street, and then there's the outdoor... Uh, globe replica. Globe right? replica. Um, which actually I think is being torn down because they're building an even better replica. Like the whole Shakespearean festival. No growing, idea, but that's bigger. cool. Like it's going to be cool. It's like a big theme park. And it's already a really cool festival. theater. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Anyway, there's there were just the three main theaters there, and they all had weird, creepy stuff. But we went into the school one, which is right in the middle of the three. So they're right next to each other. Boom, boom, boom. Like within a street, walking across the street, that's the furthest away mm-hmm. uh, one of them is, is walking across a two-lane street. So um, they're right next to each other, and we went to the middle one at like 2 o'clock in the morning. We kind of broke in because um, we had a friend that had a key. It's not um, breaking. <laughs> and so it's not breaking. Um, we just snuck it's in. It's just entering. When in, yeah, we entered after hours. Um, <laughs> three of us went there. Me, TJ, and Leah okay. went uh, in there. And Leah's the one that got us in. And I had just gotten off work. I was working as a youth counselor. Um, I had just gotten off of uh, a shift. And they were like, let's go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I went with them. And 
it was really quiet in there and there's this foyer before you enter the theater and so we were in the foyer area where you know you buy your tickets and you're just kind of all mingling before you walk into the theater and we heard a projector going inside the theater like an old projector running old timey one old timey one and uh it's like, do you hear that? Yeah, there is a projector going on in there. Like <sighs> it was clear. All three of us heard the projector running in there. Dang. And it sounded like it was coming in from the balcony, which we were on the main floor. So we walk in and we're all kind of like looking up at the ceiling, getting ready to look up because there's stories of this guy wearing a top hat that's seen a lot up in the balcony. So we're kind of expecting to see this this person who's been seen by years of of students going to this school. I never saw him, but we were expecting to this night because we heard the projector and we heard it. Nothing was being projected on the stage though. Pitch black. It was normal. You could see I mean there were exit signs, so there was some light in there. There was definitely light in there enough to you could see the stage, the seats. Um, cause that exit signs put off a decent amount of light, but it was dark. So we're walking in and we're getting, we're getting close to the balcony. We're looking up and then I glance at the stage and I stop and TJ stopped at the same time and Leah kept walking and, uh, I was frozen on what I was seeing. I didn't really notice TJ stopping either. I just stopped cause I saw something on stage. I saw somebody looking at us from the curtains. That's like scary. literally a person's face Holy peeking shit. out of the curtains, looking at us. No, thank you. And I was just like, what the? And I was like, who is that? I was trying to figure out literally like who's here with us. You know, like who is that? Uh, somebody's playing a prank on us. You know, somebody knew about, somebody heard about this and one of our friends, cause you know, we were all dorks and you know, yeah. played pranks on each other and yeah. did stupid <laughs> stuff, you know? And so I was like, who is that? And TJ was, saw the same thing. He saw somebody looking at us from the curtains. And so he had stopped. And, but neither one of us knew the other had seen it yet. And Leah kept going. And then we both reached for her to grab her, to stop her, to say, hey, look at what I see. And then the person, she came out of the curtains and floated across the stage, literally floated across the stage. She was somewhat transparent, came almost directly at us, but kind of kitty corner to center stage. And we grabbed her and turned and ran out of there. Grab Leah. Um, yeah, we grabbed Leah and we ran out of there. Wow. And me and TJ were like, the, we saw the exact same thing. The exact same thing. That is crazy. Leah did not see it because she was still looking up and we grabbed her and pulled her and she was like, what? But she did not see it. But me and TJ saw the exact same thing. Whew. Frightening. Yeah. That's terrifying. I, I don't know how to explain it. I know what I saw. In a spooky TJ theater TJ saw the exact same thing in a spooky theater at night. It literally floated oh across the stage. Oh, yeah. That is scary. That is scary. Theaters. Down but it right. was beautiful at the same time. I'm like it was frightening and nerve wracking, but but it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like the way she moved, it was 
Danny's got a crush on a ghost. I kind of might. <laughs> I'm not. I who what they knows. Call that- otherworldly grace <laughs> yeah you know it was that scene in ghostbusters oh really it's yep. always had that fantasy and it came kind of true <laughs> well cool fantastic well thank you for sharing that story yeah. with us, Danny. now our next story comes from mc williams he's the host of myths your teacher hated isn't that right Lindsay? yep it's a podcast it's amazing you should listen to it all right i'll check it out uh, so, uh, MC Stories. Danny, you want to read these ones? Yeah, yeah, I'll go. Cool. Um, I like the name of that. All right, yeah. Uh, Miss so, Your Teachers Hated. I got to check that out. Yeah. That's really great. So, so there are two here. Um, go ahead. Get rolling. There are actually two. One is from high school. I was with a friend at my then girlfriend's property, which had an old barn. Long story short, I heard a voice crying from what turned out to be a buried well. Then I saw a figure run into the barn. No one there when we entered, but on the wall, we saw the shadow of a swinging noose. No such rope in the barn. Damn, that's noose. scary. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. I grew up across the street from a barn. So there was this old, uh, there was a baseball field and it was like the old, so church baseball field mm-hmm. was across the street from my house and it was owned by the my neighbors who lived down the road and then down another dirt road because they owned the property, all the property, all the farm. And uh, there was an old barn there. None of the old folk wanted to have anything to do with that barn. Mm. The owners, my grandpa, who lived two (laughs) houses down from us, my dad, nobody wanted to have anything to do with that barn. They wouldn't go in. I heard stories about that barn. I never went in the barn, but I watched it burn down. Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> but I remember the barn. I remember I was never allowed in the barn. I always Barns wanted to creepy. go in the barn, but was never allowed in it. And then they burned it down. Well, they didn't tear it down. They burned smart. it down. Well, there, there's something very, I don't know. It, it's kind of intrinsic to farm life that it's a cycle of both life and death. Mm-hmm. It's something where there is, you know, the, the time to reap and the time to sow and all, all these kinds of things. It, it's, there is something a little bit spooky about the kind of ranch or, or even farming kind of world. And that's where you get a lot of uh, – also, there's the element of scarecrows. That's where they come from too. Yeah, just as a little bonus treat right in the sidecar. <laughs> Uh, that it's uh, that it is a survival mechanism based on intimidation and fear. Right. Yeah. So plenty of spooky things to be found in yeah. barns and and yeah, yeah and, and this idea of a of an old well that uh, that, that that they didn't know about uh, that's that was that's a traditional American danger. You dig down until you find water. Well, and a voice crying out from an old well. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to know more about yeah. that story. You know, because we we've give, been given that we have nothing. Which I more. kind of love. Like we have a lot to the imagination just right. from that. But I'd like to know more about where this was mm-hmm. and maybe more people that were involved that maybe know more about the story, know more about the well, the history of it. Maybe we yeah. can find in the old city records the history of the well. Danny, um, do you like paranormal stuff? Maybe people that went missing <laughs> in the town. I do. <laughs> I, who doesn't? I mean, even the people who are scared of it. And I, it just makes me happy like that you're so enthusiastic about it. Uh, I'd be really, I understand it. Really completely. interested to hear more detail on this. Uh, this they saw a figure run into the barn. Yeah. What do you think yeah. of that? 
Oh, it could be anything. It could be, you know, a, a gray alien. It could be a Sasquatch. It could be a ghost. Creepy. It could be a lizard person. It could be <laughs> funny that you say it could be an alien, an extraterrestrial or something. There's some ghost, you know, some of the ghost uh, shows and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I watch uh, most of them are terrible, but there are some good ones. I like Ghost Adventures. I like that one a lot. I think those guys are mostly legit. Cool. <laughs> um, as legit as you can get when you're doing a TV show. Yeah, when you're doing a TV show. Man, they've they've seen some shit and they've gone through some shit. You should join that and, team. Oh, I'd love to do something with them. That would be so badass. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Uh, they get into some dark shit, which would be so cool yeah. because I'm not afraid of it like I used to be. And, and they'll probably all be like, well, you fucking should be. But I, <laughs> and then you'll be like, oh shit, yes. I'll I be like, oh shit, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, they've had bricks thrown at them and stuff. Yeah. And I mean, that's Crazy. just insane. Uh, okay, second story. All right, next story. Second from- story. Second was shortly after college. Roommate was out of the country, but the light in his closet kept turning itself on. Over the course of a week, I narrowed down every option I could think of for what it came on until I finally taped the light switch in the off position. It turned itself on while I was in the next room, and I found the switch taped in the position instead. The on position? Yeah. It turned itself on while I was in the next room, and I found the switch taped in the on position instead. Left the closet alone after that. I would too. I would too, and I would leave his stash alone as well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, but I do think this one has an interesting aspect of electricity. This is something that yeah. people, not everyone really understands it. I'd say I'm a novice at best uh, when it comes to electrical systems and what might, might cause a flicker or a short or a sudden change in temperature. But I think that kind of... Only a, a casual understanding kind of leaves a lot open for uh, for reinterpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether there was a real electrical reason for it, I don't know. But at the same time, not knowing, you know, that in somewhere in that question mark, some spooky things live. Mm-hmm. Well, having it taped back, he taped it in the off position, and then going back, it was taped in the. On oh, now that is what we call in show business a kicker right there. Dun, dun, dun. That's when <laughs> oh, the music yeah. changes dun, dun, and dun. the lights kind of get darker. What you thought it was. And it's just like, oh shit, I'm supposed oh, to be more God. scared because I am. That's that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Especially when you like you physically tape something so it's going to stop yeah. and then it's retaped. Right. Like, Especially if, if you wrote off and you come back and it's written on. <laughs> that would be scarier. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I do like the I resolution. Ghosts can handle Sharpie. <laughs> I, I, I really like that, you know, it's just left the closet alone after that. Yeah. That's. Yeah, left the closet alone. I. That's a good ending to the story. All right. Your closet is yours. Way to keep the roommate's privacy to himself. <laughs> hey, maybe they're friends. Well, he was trying to figure out electrical. Maybe he didn't and and pay- electrical fires are dangerous. Didn't want to pay the bill for that. And they're crazy. And yes, that switch could have been really bad. But I mean, it would have had to have been really bad. Um, and you would have noticed it, it. taped back up. That's a little spooky. All right. So this one comes from Lauren. Lauren, thanks for submitting your story. This one was kind of fun. Uh, I'm excited to share it. At a park in my town in central Ohio, 
My friends and I used to play hide-and-seek after dark. But after construction started nearby, we started seeing a tall creature in the woods with glowing orange eyes. It would follow us back to our cars and watch us until we saw it and start edging closer. You could feel this thing staring at you from the woods for a long time before you could see it. We weren't sure what it was, but we think maybe the construction woke it up. It was easily seven to ten feet tall and moved so silently that we only knew we were being followed because of the feeling of it. We honestly stopped going back after one trip. It got within 30 yards from us when we were walking back to the car. We went back once after they finished construction, but it felt different in a bad way. Yeah, the, the glowing orange eyes are back to the, that eye shine thing uh, where it's we know that whatever we're seeing in the darkness, it's not a human's eyes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, yeah, it, it's glowing green. Unless they're wearing green contacts. And she said, maybe. what? Eas- easily oh. seven to 10 feet tall? Right. That's but a big I've ass only met. Creature. I've only met a few humans around seven feet tall. Yeah. So, and they are so tall. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I guess a few explanations could be something in the trees, maybe. Oh, yeah. But yeah. regardless, like, it could easily be. Yeah, but shadows don't in know the trees. Saw, I've right? experienced some shadows in the trees, and it, it, it it's not always shadows in the trees. It's a, yeah, it's also that it moves silently. Yes, that's the big part. And we don't know exactly what she saw. She could have seen a figure standing on the ground that's seven to ten feet tall. Sounds like Sasquatch to me. <laughs> hey, it could be honestly. Yep, it uh, could be. Uh, in my opinion, maybe my professional opinion. Maybe it's Mothman. <laughs> or that would some, be cool some too. Some subspecies of Sasquatch. You know what I think Sasquatch is? I think it is the surviving ancestor of the Neanderthal. Okay. Like, we are as well, but, like, so is the Sasquatch. So is that. That is more of a genetic, like, that is the Neanderthal. Still, in a more perfect form, we're a hybrid of the Neanderthal and the Well, sub- some of us have Neanderthal DNA. Most of us do. Look at my forehead. I definitely <laughs> have it. Anyway, so yeah, Lauren, that's a really creepy story. And I do not blame you for not going back there ever again. Cause I would not. It reminds or, me no, of you several, went back there. Sorry. several stories. Um I have a an ex of mine. Her mom was driving in a car in Maine. And there's a reason why Stephen King lives in Maine. And all his stories it's a take place in Maine. Place. They were just driving along the road and it was becoming evening. The sun wasn't all the way down, but it was dusk. And they were driving, and something crossed the road that looked like a werewolf. Damn. Okay. According to the mom, who is very sane and in control, and she has her shit together, but that's, yeah. She doesn't like talking no about it, it but... Those are almost scarier to me when people are like, I don't want to believe this. Mm-hmm. This thing happened to me, and I don't want to believe it, I so I don't it. think about it. Yeah, and those kind of those Locked ring, those ring even more true to me because they wouldn't want to make it up. Right. Well, I mean, not necessarily. I wouldn't say necessarily more true. And yeah, some no, people you're right. like to share more than other people. Some but people I'm are more better at sharing. I'm more inclined people. to truly, truly believe them in my soul because they're so hesitant. Right. They're so hesitant to say exactly. yeah this happened to me. Right. And and I get that. It's a really freaky thing and if it's shaking your beliefs, yeah. you don't want right? to talk because about we're it. We're taught to believe 
XYZ. And if WQ2 happens, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> exactly. Does That's throw exactly one for right. a loop. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So our next two clips are from our friend Ood over the Occulte Veritatis podcast. And we're actually going to play these for you because he did record them. So here we go. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Thank you for letting me into your ear holes today. It's quite an honor. By the way, I'm Ood Gallifrey of the Occulte Veritatis Podcast. You can find us at ovpod.ca. But it's not about me today. It's about the story. What I'm about to tell you happened to my grandpa's dad, my great-grandfather, with my grandpa witnessing. Saskatchewan has a lot of farming legends. For those of you that didn't know, I live in Saskatchewan. It's the flyover land of Canada where all the farmers roam. And people spin a lot of yarns here out of boredom. My grandfather's name was Eugene, and he was just eight years old at the time of this incident. He had his summer routine down. His mom would make a pack of sandwiches and cheese and high-calorie stuff that a farmer's body will need to keep moving throughout the day, and she would give it to my grandfather to run out to his dad. His dad's name was Mike. So one day he ran out this bundle of, I think it was ham sandwiches, and wrapped up bacon fat with cheese. It sounds gross, but it actually tastes quite good. And he ran out these sandwiches like normal. Now, most days, uh, the other farmers that my grandfather's dad worked with also had their family members run stuff out. But this day, Grandpa was all by himself. Uh, his other workers had gone home to their houses. I think it was near a holiday, and they still had leftover turkey and all that good stuff. But when he got to the regular place, he couldn't find his grandfather. And he searched around, and he looked around the farm equipment, and he looked behind uh, this shed that they kept fair sp- spare farm parts in. And he found a big, black, shadowy figure standing over my grandfather. He didn't know what to do. He said it looked like a dog, except its edges were all misshapen and shimmering. And instead of it being furry and being, instead of it looking like an animal, it simply looked like a plague of bees formed into the shape of a wolf. To this day, I don't think my grandpa had the words to describe what he saw. Anyways, he carried the lunches in this big pail. Uh, He didn't have a backpack and his family was quite poor, so we just used a big copper pail to carry this stuff around and as soon as he spotted this thing he did the only thing he thought he could and he swung the bucket as hard as he can at the shadowy figure and as soon as the bucket hit its form it seemed to dissipate now my grandpa passed some time ago but to this day, I remember the look in his eyes when he was trying to describe what it felt like to hit this thing with the bucket. He would stare off 
above my shoulder. Like he was lost in thought trying to find the words. He said it was... It was similar to passing through water. Except it seemed way more rough. It almost seemed scrapey. Like it had more friction. Like it was scraping against gravel. But yet it was hanging in the air like a shadow. So this thing dissipates and he never saw it again. And His dad was diabetic. So he got some sweets out of his pocket and some water and gave it to his dad. And his dad woke up. Um... So his dad, my great-grandfather, never believed my grandfather. He thought it was just youthful indiscretion, and he was panicked seeing his dad passed out, so he was hallucinating. But my grandpa swears to this day he saw that creature, that mass of angry, buzzing shadows in the, sa- in the shape of a dog standing over his unconscious dad. Oh, and his dad never had a mark on him. I wonder what would have happened... Assuming this thing is real, what would have happened if my grandpa were ten minutes late? Was this thing trying to feed? Was this thing trying to steal souls? And this is coming from the perspective of somebody who doesn't really believe in this shit. I don't really believe in the ghost, but the conviction in my grandpa's eyes... I don't know, it's hard to argue with. Anyways, that's my story. Um... Me and two friends run a little podcast called Occulte Veritatis. It's basically, we smoke weed and drink and talk about horrible things that are too hard to talk about sober. And we try and find a hidden truth within each episode. So find us at ovpod.ca. Alright, we just listened to that story from Ood. Thank you, Ood. That was great. Really a cool, cool kind of story and, and a lot of really great visuals. Yeah, in there very too. interesting visuals. Yeah. Uh, what are what are some standouts to you guys? I think um, the most striking one is the bees. Oh, obviously. Yeah. That it looked bees or when he threw the pail, how it almost looked like it was it was rough, like going through gravel. Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of what I you know, but, I I pictured the, in my mind for a sound bees, effect. What yeah. if it was bees? Yeah, like an idea of a of a shovel scraping through. You're trying to dig a load of dirt, and it's it's hitting small rocks, and it's moving things aside, and it has this kind of rough, yeah, gravelly sound to it. If you're digging a bucket through bees in the air, it might sound kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. it, yeah. My dog stepped on a. Well, yeah, he stepped on a bee. Oh, that sounds rough. Aww. Well, I mean, they were, they were, uh, they, he deserved it. Aww, <laughs> poor Quigs. <laughs> he stepped on it, like literally, like on purpose. He he chose to. Because they were like... sniffing at something, and then I watched him go, oh, boom. And then he was like, ow, ow. And I was like, what was that? And I went back, because I d- couldn't see what they were sniffing at. And then what he pounced on. And then I went back and I was looking for it. And then I look over just like, you know, six inches or whatever. And there's this bee like, oh, oh fuck, help me. Oh, man. Oh. Was and it I was a like, bee or a wasp? No, it was a bee. It was a bee. Because a wasp would have been like, good job, man. Let me finish him off. Uh, there's bee. got to be a good purpose for wasps. Why do they exist? Oh, they're scavengers. They well, they can't just kill well, and scavenge. What's the purpose of the mosquitoes? All right, to be good eaten point. By other things, the wasp 
is the mosquito, the mosquito of, of the, the bee world, world <laughs> flying bee world, I guess. They're awful. They Hornets, are. wasps. The bees are beautiful. Bees are amazing. It was a bee. Yeah. Um, it wasn't doing good. Poor bee, um, poor pigs. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Very cool story. Well, cool. Well, thanks, dude. Uh, I think we, boy, uh, it's a fun little little story to splash into our Sunday here. That one is the most um, abstract, I would say, out of like, or maybe not abstract. Like the a physical less, thing happened, right? Well, but yeah that that one's like less less paranormal, paranormal, mm-hmm. and more of a, a fluke in nature or something, you know, like. Freaky. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if it's a perception. It's like paranormal influencing nature. Yeah, was was the grandpa being attacked by a swarm of bees? But the, he said there was no no marks on him. Mm. Yeah, I wonder if it, it maybe there was a little bit of cultural uh, perception. But change but here in maybe Canada. there were no marks. But mm, I can't imagine maybe there was swelling. <laughs> Not that much. Did he get nope. stung and pass out? Did he? I don't know. You know, I mean. And it was a child's perception of the swarm of bees that looked like a wolf. Right. And it could be something like how clouds look like things. Yeah. Just happen to. But it's still pretty freaking weird. Absolutely. Even my own experiences, I try to find the logical yeah, explanation rational, to it. The rational, and then when logical you get explanation. to the point where it's not, can't well, be explained. You get to the point, even with the logical and rational explanations, sounds illogical and irrational to the experience exactly okay let's do the next story next story which is the next story are we listening to that or we are listening to another story from Ood. hello everyone my name is Ood gallifrey and i've been asked to relay some tales from my neck of the woods along the river that goes to the center of saskatoon is a road known as spadina It's a beautiful drive. A lot of the view along the road is completely unblocked because a large part of Spadina's drive is just land bought out by the city to be made into walking paths. But when the houses begin, you'll find the ghost of a foundation within the ground that existed a long time ago. Now, there are a lot of rumors circulating about what exactly this foundation was, but... The legend going around goes something like this. Decades ago, possibly in the 1950s, a family lived a quiet life for years in the house that stood there. They made an average living, they were a middle-class family, they were happy. But one day, the house burned down, killing each member of the family, wife, son, daughter, and the pet dog leaving the only member of the family alive, the grief-stricken father, who was busy doing a night shift at his job. He soon moved far away. Eventually, the insurance company settled on the house and was able to rebuild it and sell it back to the city to be sold again. It was a viable property. And a new family moved in and enjoyed another happy life. Eventually, the father, the original father, many years later, returned to the place where his family once lived, and the legend goes that he was so enraged and furious at 
the sight of a happy family where his once stood, that he fell into a rage. Eventually this rage stewed, and stewed until it bubbled over. In the middle of the night, he returned with an accelerant and set the house ablaze again, killing the entire family in the process. And as the house burnt to the ground, as the family burned, he jumped off of the bridge nearby the house, into the river, and drowned. And to this day, the empty foundation has sat, overgrown, unused. I wonder if superstition is keeping the city of Saskatoon from rebuilding. Boy, the danger of fire. That's something that is pretty universal, isn't it? It's a little more true crime than paranormal, but I don't know where Saskatoon is, but I just typed in Google... Perhaps you've heard of it. Skadina Road in Saskatoon. I googled that just to see what I could find. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that popped up was fires can be traumatic. Saskatoon's a disaster. I would say this is probably, to put it lightly, traumatic. (laughs) To put it lightly, the uh, local legend is probably fairly accurate. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. Yeah, I mean. I want to look more into that, but that is crazy. Now, what do you think about the. the fact that it was never built over. They never rebuilt anything there. They haven't reused the well, space. considering that it burned down and then someone burned it down again. Yeah. I'd say the risk of it yeah. burning down a third time. Yeah, maybe. It, it probably, right. uh, I do know that uh, at my family's cabin in the woods, uh, it's got a lot of, uh, fire is a very real concern. The fire hazard of a, of a cabin mm-hmm. directly affects its value. Um, so the, the, yeah, the ability to fight a fire there. And often a site will get abandoned. So maybe that's what this is. Um, not really sure. But it's still kind of spooky that. Uh, For sure. Yeah, that in the, in the middle of, of a heavily wooded area alongside a road, you still get these echoes of, of what, what human beings have done in an area. Mm-hmm. Cool. For sure. Well, this tiny little, I mean, it's good property value because this tiny little house is going for like half a million. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Danny, with the power of Google. Good to know. Cool. All right. Well, let's let's wrap up our first half. That was really fun. We are actually going to split this into two. We got some really great contributions. So let's uh, let's stretch out all all throughout the Halloween season. How's that sound? I think it sounds fantastic. Perfect. All right, let's take a break there. If you'll join us next week, you'll see the second installment of our Halloween Spooktacular. We hope to see you there. Yeah. And just as a real quick reminder, you can find us on social media um, at Instagram and Facebook at Folklore on the Rocks, Twitter at Folklore Rocks. Um, You can find pictures, notes, and sources at our website at FolkloreOnTheRocks.com. We have Patreon. We have a PayPal button on our website you can make donations with. We do have a merch shop that's coming soon. Um, and then if you have any personal stories about a creature, a monster, or a cryptid, even if you don't know what it was, uh, you can email those to us at stories at folkloreontherocks.com. We kind of we want to do more listener episodes kind of similar to what we're doing today. Oh, yes, please. Because um, it's so intriguing to see these stories that people have, like, real experiences right we we touch on these creatures but it's so much cooler to hear real encounters yeah right um so we also ask if you wouldn't mind to please rate us and leave us a review on itunes uh once we hit 100 reviews we are going to do a bonus episode with a listener selected creature 
So there's a little incentive for you there if there's something you want us to cover really bad. Um, And just tell your friends. Word of mouth is the best possible thing that you can do for us. It's the best marketing that we can get. So uh, we really appreciate listening. And we really appreciate you listening to us. And we hope you tune in next Sunday. Cool. Thank you very much.